Thank you for joining us today. I'm Dwayne McCreary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Today we're going to be looking at session 10 as we study the book of Romans. We'll be looking at Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 32. This, this is really the conclusion of a section where Paul has been looking at um, theology, and he's going to move on beginning in chapter 12 to a practical section. But this last section, chapters 9 through 11, he focuses on grace being offered to all. And in the middle of that is the, the, the passage of Romans 10, 9 and 10, the confess, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Probably one of the most quoted passages. And we looked at that last week. So we're going to move past that and look at chapter 11, verses 17 through 32. In verses 17 through 21, Paul reminds folks to be humble. He particularly is pointing to Gentile believers and they need to be humbly grateful for God's salvation, recognizing that the Jews were cut off because of their unbelief. An important thing for, their, for us to remember is salvation is fully dependent upon God and his grace. In the verses that follow that, verses 20 through to 24, Paul highlights God's goodness or his, his kindness and wrath. He reminds the Gentile believers that while Jews were cut off by their unbelief, they can be grafted back into God's family through faith in Jesus. In verses 25 through 32, Paul proclaims that both the Gentiles and Jews were included in God's family through faith in his son. Israel's unbelief made Israel an enemy of God, which works to the advantage of the Gentiles. He points out that, however, in his time, God will demonstrate his grace to Israel, offering them the same salvation he offered to the Gentiles. We're going to come back to verse 26 in a little bit as we have our discussion. Today, I'm joined by Michael Kelly. Michael is the director of Groups Ministry here at Lifeway. Mike, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, of course. I'm always glad to talk about Romans when we, when we can. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and look at this first section, Be Humble, uh, in verses 17 through 21. You know, Paul points to spiritual arrogance. What are some ways we might see that in our world today? I, I think we do see it. Uh, and it's really ironic that we do, right? Because humility is like the pre prerequisite for receiving the gospel. I mean, before you before you come to Christ, you, you have to admit your abject need for him. Um, you see it not only in, in that fact, but you see it throughout the course of Romans. You know, I know we've already been through some of the earlier chapters in Romans, but it's funny that Paul is constantly sort of turning the tables back and forth on the Jews and then the Gentiles and the Jews and then the Gentiles. Like, it, it's almost like in chapters 1 through uh, in chapter one, uh, he's setting up uh, the, uh, uh, the the Jews to feel prideful about their position, and then he cuts their knees out from under them yeah. in chapter two. Uh, and then here you have a similar thing happening that that he's reminding the Gentiles. Now, before you guys feel too proud about your position, you need to remember what happened here. So some of the ways that we see this today, boy, I, I think it's any time that we uh, have this feeling uh, that that we we probably wouldn't ever say it out loud, but it's it's stuff that we might feel in in our hearts. Things like, you know, God is is fortunate to have me on His team, or uh, I am in in some way irreplaceable. Um, or maybe here's a more subtle one: when we start to feel like that our our sin is actually not that bad. So one of the ways that like, we... Like, give me an example. Yeah, so we might... Uh, often that happens, I think, in comparison with other people. 
So we look at someone uh, and the way that, that they're living their lives and, you know, we, we think to ourselves, well, I've, I've got a little bit of a leg up on, on that person. Um, or it could be that when we're just thinking about our lives before Christ, we're not really broken about how lost we were. We just, we, we start to think, you know, yeah, I was a sinner, but it's not like I killed anybody or anything. You think you know, the further we get away from our salvation, we we be, become to think or start I, thinking I think about so. ourselves that way? We forget what it was like to be yeah, lost? Yeah, time has, that, has mm-hmm. that tendency for us. I mean, there's part of me that wonders if that's one of the reasons why Paul, throughout all of his letters— is not afraid to remind his readers of who he was before he met Christ. Um, there's part of me that wonders if he's not only reminding his readers, but also reminding himself. Like, I'm, I'm going to keep this in mind uh, about the depth of, of my sin so I can appreciate the depth of God's salvation. Because if, if anybody had come a long way in their spiritual life, it had been Paul. For sure. But he never lost sight of uh, that I read a statistic time. not long ago that the older we get, the less likely we are to share Christ with somebody. Oh, now that's fascinating. I know it's, it, it sounds like we should be the opposite. Right. That the older we get, the more confident we should be in sharing the Christ with others. But that's not what research is saying, is the older we get, the less likely we are. And I'm wondering, I don't know, I'm still working through the research, how much of that's related to us forgetting what it's like to be lost. Huh. I, I would guess a lot of it. A, a lot of it probably too has to do with our habits, too. Like mm-hmm. the further we move into the faith, we just... All our friends would be. That's right. We get we just get more churched friends. Yeah. Uh, and so we lose a lot of contact with relationships we used to have. In verse 22 here uh, in, in chapter 11, it kind of indicates that someone might lose their salvation. He talks about the, that you were grafted in and he encourages the Gentiles to remain in his kindness. And then he says, otherwise, you'll be cut off like the Jews. How, how do we help our, our group members know and understand this passage that it's not saying that we lose our salvation? Or is that what it's saying? Uh, I, I do not think it's saying we, we can lose our salvation. Um, but I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that there's language in various places in the New Testament where the New Testament writers use language like fall away uh, and, and that kind of thing. Once you have tasted... Uh, mm-hmm. So there is that language in the in the New Testament, but it's important for us to interpret this. I think this is always a, a good biblical principle of exegesis, which is you interpret a single verse in the broader context of all the verses. So when you read the New Testament holistically, thematically, what you find is the reason that we have salvation is because God in his grace has given us this salvation. It's not because of our conduct. It's because of his grace. It's a very freeing thought then to know that if, if God is the one who has granted this, um, then really us staying in the faith is about him keeping us in his, about him keeping us in his grace. And we know, of course, that he is happy to do that, that he's going to keep us in his grace. As far as this verse, you know, when we come to it, I think it's right for us to present it as a group leader, as a warning, because it's meant to be a warning in the in the text. It's a warning out of love and out of and out of care. Um, but I think another place you could point to would be uh, maybe like Jesus parable of the of the sower, where you, you have all of these seeds that 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 spring up and some have the appearance of being sprung up. And yet the roots don't really grow deep. 
So another another parallel passage perhaps to point to, maybe because they're both sort of agricultural metaphors and that kind of thing, uh, is is to say, you know, in this parable of the sower, you've got one of these plants that grows up and another one that grows up, and initially they both look the same, but then there comes a point where the worries and the troubles of life choke the life out of one of them, and the other one bears much fruit. Um, because the life was choked out of this other one, it indicates something about the roots of the plant to to begin with. So I, I think that's the way that we that we can interpret it. The warning, rem, uh, remain in his kindness, sounds a lot like abide in Christ. I, I agree. I think it does, too. So we may want to make that connection, too, with our group. Just to remind them that those are both warnings, that we we want to abide uh, in Christ and we need to stay there because we can get in the ditch. Uh-huh. It's a good point, Dwayne. And, and again, on the agricultural theme, so that abide in Christ, like that's John 15, and that whole thing is an agriculture, it's a plant metaphor from Jesus where he's talking about the vine and the branches. So it's, that's a really, really good link to make. One of the hardest passages to interpret in all of Romans is in this section. It's in verse 26. Interpreters deal with this, this phrase um, that, that all of Israel will be saved in so many different ways. The two big ones are, are that every believer... Um, is included in that. It's a, really another way of saying the church, all Israel speaking in, in a spiritual sense. The other way it's understood is that every person who's a Jew will be saved. Um, there's, there's all kinds of variance between those two, all kinds of things. So, you know, it, it would be easy for us to get stuck on how people uh, understand this verse differently. Uh, what are some things that we might focus on that regardless of which one of those you, you fall into, that we can agree on, that may yeah. help us uh, with our group not get stuck over on the side chasing that rabbit. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the most basic thing is just to come back to the central core truth of the book of Romans, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for both Jew and Gentile. That's Romans 1, 16, I believe. And that's sort of the theme verse for what this whole letter is about. It's about the fact that the only way any human being, be they Jew or be they Gentile, can be saved is through faith in Christ, Christ alone. So when you, when you take that as a given, that Paul's purpose in this is, is helping Jews to understand that they've got to believe in Jesus and helping Gentiles understand that they've got to believe in Jesus— then, then it would be a, a radical departure in chapter 11 for Paul to come back around and say, everybody has to believe in Jesus except for some people, and they're going to be made righteous just because of their ethnic identity. It runs contrary to the whole purpose of the book of Romans. So the commonality Especially there, when you talked about chapters 1 and 2. Yes. I mean, pretty much saying you Jew, Gentiles are, are out. That's right. You Jews, you Jews are, are out. out. That's right. You're, you're just a more religious form of yeah. out. Um, so the commonality there is 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 just uh, to come back again to the fact that re- regardless of of what ethnic background a person has, the only way that they may be saved is through faith in Christ. Um, so if you if you use that as the foundation, then uh, it it really really helps move forward through some of these specific issues, because the, the relationship that Christians have to Israel and, and even uh, particularly the United States has to Israel 
can become a really heated point of a discussion in a group. And it's not necessarily... Especially in an election year. That's right. That's right. It's not a real profitable way to do this because Paul's purpose in writing this was not to advocate for Israel, uh, nor was it to advocate for the Gentiles. He's advocating for the gospel. That's what he's that's what he's trying to do. Um, And and he is he is doing so by, again, reminding us, I think, time and time again, that the only way the only way that people are saved is what you referenced earlier from Romans chapter 10 is you call on the name of Jesus. And that's the only way that that's the only way that anybody's made right and saved. In the personal study guide, in the commentary section on these verses, on verse 26, it makes this statement. However, God works out the inclusion of Israel. That's kind of a way of saying we're not smart enough to figure out what that is. Yep. But however he works that out. This statement will be true. Salvation will always be through faith in Christ's completed work on the cross, period. That's really the whole message of what we find in the book of Romans. Any other insights you have about this particular study passage this week's lesson? you know, I do think it's it's one interesting thing, and I know that it's it's a bit out of scope from our from what our <laughs> core passage is, but it would be interesting, I think, because chapter eleven is that hinge that it's been theology, 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 and then Paul's about to turn the corner in chapter twelve and say, therefore, it's like one of the mightiest therefores in the Bible, and he's about to tell everybody how they ought to live that before he does that, the conclusion in Romans chapter 11 is just this, it's almost like this eruption of praise, like he's been so down deep in the weeds, and he comes out and he says, who can know the depths of the riches of the mind of, of God? So even Paul himself, Paul the apostle, has been examining this stuff, and he's coming out saying, boy, I, there's a lot here. But the whole purpose of this is, is not to lead us to just intellectual exercise. It's to lead us to worship at the wisdom and the grace and the mercy of God. And that's how Romans 11 ends. Can you imagine what it was like when Paul was writing this part of Scripture? Oh, man. And he gets to that point. Yeah. I mean, there's an image I have of him just, he just stops, he drops on his knees. Uh-huh. He's at that point. And then I think of the other side of it, what it was must have been like the first time this letter got read yes. to the folks in Rome. Yes. What they went through at that moment. Did the guy just, who's ever reading it, they just, okay, here it is, boom, and they just kept on going? Or did they stop? Did they have, you know, did the praise band break out at That's that right. point? I mean, what There's happened? There's something. There, there's at least this this moment where you just take a breath because this is what it's, it's the climactic moment. This is what it has, has led to. It's led to worship. Thank you for being with us today, Michael. Next week, we'll be looking at chapter 12, continuing our study of Romans. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to you joining us again next week. God bless you.